We have a tough teaching today, a tough message from our Lord Jesus Christ, and it is on the topic of divorce. Our Lord Jesus is very countercultural, both in his day and in our day, as I will show you. So let us pray together. We come to you, Lord, with open hearts. We come to your ancient words, changing us. Let this ancient word now impart for this day. Speak now to us, blessed Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the Bible says they came to test him. And what better test or trap than to ask him about divorce? He left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and the crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them, and the Pharisees came up, And in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Huh? It was a political test. Because the region Jesus had stationed himself was the region ruled by Herod. You may remember chapter 6, we looked at it previously. John the Baptist was preaching and exhorting and rebuking Herod because Herod had divorced his wife and remarried someone else who was divorced. And Herod said, you, uh, uh, John the Baptist said, you may not do that. That is against God's law. And so the Pharisees came and said, okay, Jesus, <laughs> what do you say? here in Herod's territory. I don't know if there was a good answer. And they came to trap him. Maybe to get him killed too. They they would be satisfied with that. Eventually, they're going to plot his death, but maybe here in the earlier uh, times, maybe someone else can do it for us. A political test. It was a religious test. So Jesus, where do you stand on this controversial uh, topic? In their day, uh, and in our day, uh, they were probably referring to Deuteronomy chapter 4, which talks about divorce. And the ambiguous phrase is, if a man finds some indecency in his wife, then he can file for divorce. Well, what does that mean? some flaw, some some problem. Rabbi Ben Hillel was the uh, conservative, excuse me, the, the liberal of his day. He represented the majority view. He interpreted that verse, Deuteronomy 24.1, as uh, some indecency. He, he interpreted that to mean any cause, anything. you find any problem at all, you have lots of freedom here. 
And you look at the writings of the ancient uh, Jewish people following uh, Ben Hillel, and uh, you can get divorced if you find someone else more attractive. That's finding some indecency in your wife, I guess. They even said, hey, if your wife burns the meal, I'm not making that up. So very liberal, very, you know, expansive, sort of like no-fault divorce kind of, you know. So Jesus, are you one of those guys? Do you follow Ben Hillel? Or do you follow the more conservative uh, Shammai? He said, uh, he interpreted uh, some indecency to mean you may only get divorced for the cause of adultery. So Jesus, where do you stand? I don't think they actually cared. They were just trying to trap him. You know, there's no good answer here. So Jesus, take it away. They came to trap him. So it's a relevant topic in his day. It's a relevant topic in our day. In our day, divorce, I should say marriage, is relatively easily undone. Uh, we, we, we tend toward Rabbi Hillel, <laughs> you know, for any cause, some indecency. Now, please, I, I say relatively easily undone. I do not mean to minimize the trauma of divorce. It ranks up there, like in psychological studies, it ranks up there as one of, if not the top, cause of stress. It's right up there with the death of a loved one. And... But in our day, relatively easily undone marriage is. Relatively. Here is a chart of divorce, uh, marriage and divorce statistics. I apologize for how small it is. I tried to make it bigger, but I lack technical skill. <laughs> So this is uh, all the way back to uh, when they first started keeping statistics, the 1860s. I think it starts in 1866, I think, just after the Civil War. So here's marriage per 1,000 people. It peaked, where is that? Marriage peaked after World War II because all the GIs were returning, you know, getting married, their sweethearts. And so marriage is falling off. And this is only 2010. The trend has continued uh, today, 2019 continued. People aren't getting married much or, or as much. And then this is divorce down here. So it peaked. Oh, this is interesting, isn't it? Just after the the marriage uh, peak. Actually, it didn't peak. Here's the highest point. I think, if I remember right, 1982, most people per 1,000 in the United States getting divorced, and it has tapered off. This is the good news here. People aren't getting as divorced as much today, but uh, how do you interpret the numbers? You know, it's always a trick to interpret statistics. Most people feel like there are fewer divorces because there are fewer marriages. <laughs> More people are living together without having vowed in marriage. And so when they split up, if they split up, it doesn't appear in divorce statistics. 
But that's where we stand uh, today. And the trend has continued through 2019. Um, fewer divorces today. It's a relevant question. So Jesus, what do you say? Can a man divorce his wife for any reason? How do you interpret Deuteronomy uh, 24? Are you a, a Rabbi Ben Hillel guy or are you a Ben Shammai guy? And don't forget the politics here. <laughs> So our Lord answers them with a question. You know how our Lord does. <laughs> this is his very typical teaching method. He answered them. Well, what did Moses command you? They said. This is referring to Deuteronomy 24. Well, he allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, yes, but <laughs> he did that because of the hardness of your heart. That's why he wrote that commandment. So what's going on here? There's a lot packed into this very brief little exchange. Notice, first of all, that Jesus turns the topic from what is lawful. That was their question. Is it lawful for a man to... He turns it from what is lawful to what did Moses command. He's not looking for loopholes. You know, what, what's permissible? What's lawful? What's, what's within the boundary of what was his intention? What did he command? Now, furthermore, he says, this actually isn't the best passage to answer your question about can we get divorced. I know you're referring to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 24. I know it refers to divorce. It's not actually dealing with divorce. It is assuming divorce. It's assuming that a man has filed for divorce. I think that's what he means when he says the hardness of your heart. It's just assuming you guys are splitting up. And what Deuteronomy 24 verses 1 through 4 actually are regulating is the fallout of divorce and the effects and trying to limit divorce because what the passage is actually on is if you get divorced, if you file for divorce, you're not allowed to get remarried. So you better think twice if you find some indecency, if she burns the toast. <laughs> so it's actually trying to limit based on this fallen human condition, the hardness of your hearts. So I'm putting words in Jesus' mouth. I think I'm being fair. So he's saying, I don't think it's actually the best passage to answer my question, what did Moses command? He didn't command you to get divorced. He allowed this. He made a provision because of the hardness of your heart. So he's addressing a legal mindset. Is it lawful? They're looking for loopholes. Under what circumstances is it okay to dissolve a marriage? And then our Lord, as is typical in his teaching, takes them deeper. He starts with where they are and their mindset and their interpretation, Deuteronomy 24, and he takes them deeper. Let's call this uh, deeper Moses. Let me tell you what Moses actually commanded. I'm going to take you back to Genesis. From the beginning of creation, he made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. 
So they're no longer two, but one flesh. In the Jewish mind, the further back you went in salvation history, here in this case, all the way back to creation, the further back you went, the more authority that teaching, that doctrine has. He said, let me, let me show you what Moses is actually getting at. Let's go back to the beginning, to God's design, his archetypal design. In the beginning, male and female brings them together in marriage. And these two now become a third. They become one. Well, you see where Jesus is headed with this. They are now one. I'll give you his conclusion in just a minute, but they are one. So he's referring here to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God made them male and female. Two different things, two different uh, people, psychologically, anatomically. And he brings them together. And they will become one flesh. Pharisees, let me, let me actually show you the nature of marriage. And we're going to answer your question about divorce in just a minute. Let me, first of all, let me tell, talk to you about marriage. Two people, male and female, come together. Oneness, oneness. So breaking a divorce is not like, I mean, breaking a marriage is not like breaking a stick which is composed of one thing, very easily broken. There. He says it's more difficult than that because what you actually have is something like hydrogen and oxygen, two different things, coming together to form a third thing called good, called water. <laughs> can you break the hydrogen and the oxygen? You can. It's pretty difficult. It takes a lot of energy. It's not like snap. Marriage is a one flesh relationship that refers to a psychological oneness, that refers to a physical oneness, that refers to some mystical way, a spiritual oneness. The Apostle Paul refers to this passage, uh, these passages, uh, Genesis uh, chapter uh, 2. He refers to them in 1 Corinthians when he talks about what if a man has sex, a Christian man has sex with a prostitute. Paul says, no, because they're becoming one, but they're not really one. It's just like this, you know, prostitute. He's appealing to the essence of marriage, theologically. And then he refers to it in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 when he talks about husbands and wives. And he, he quotes uh, 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 Genesis 2 once again. He says, they will become one flesh. So the husband loves, sacrifices, nourishes. The wife respects submits, and it is beautiful oneness. Pharisees, let me, let, let's go a little deeper here. Let's go, let me give you deeper Moses. What did he actually command? Well, there's not a command. Well, I guess there is a commandment here. 
You will hold fast to each other. You will depart. You will leave your parents. Oneness, oneness. That's going to help us answer your questions, your question about divorce, uh, Pharisees. And here is, here is the answer. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. The old marriage ceremony says, what God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And there you have your answer, Pharisees. My disciples, when they get married, it's, it's the real thing. It is for life. They go into it with a sober awareness. Very countercultural in his day, super countercultural in our day, including not just the world out there, but including within the church. The divorce statistics for the church, big C church, church universal, or at least church in the United States, uh, the divorce statistics are pretty similar uh, to the world. Uh, we don't get divorced quite as much, but we, we have followed in the, the train of the world for the most part. Notice that uh, he goes on with his countercultural teaching. And in the house, uh, the disciples asked him again about this matter, and he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. The countercultural thing here is that in the Jewish law and in the Jewish culture, only the man could initiate divorce. And you see that reflected in Deuteronomy. You see it reflected in, in the Pharisees' question. But here Jesus says, well, verse 12, uh, in the pagan world, in the Gentile world, uh, women are initiating divorce also. And we, that, that doesn't fly either. My disciples don't do that. So men and uh, women. Very countercultural. So, welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome to the way of disciples. What God hath put together, let no man put asunder. Okay, so lots of questions come to our minds. And I've been in the ministry long enough to know that every single case is unique. But Jesus paints with a very broad brush stroke and a, a very uh, 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 black and white, no divorce. Are there any exceptions? Is there, a, uh, is there other biblical teaching that rounds out this teaching? There are, actually. I'm not sure why they were not included in Mark, maybe to really give us a straight punch, no divorce. But in parallel passages such as Matthew, there are some exceptions to this. Can I show you those two exceptions? Matthew 19 is the parallel passage to this. 
And there Jesus says, no divorce except for sexual immorality. The word there is porneia. It's a general word for any kind of sexual, probably adultery, but it includes lots more, any kind of sexual immorality. That apparently so harms and breaks this one flesh relationship. It does so much damage that Jesus says, for that cause, a man, a woman, may divorce wife or husband. He doesn't command it. He doesn't say, you have to get, if if your spouse commits adultery, you have, he says, I understand. And for that cause, uh, divorce is permissible. Now, once again, let me say, Jesus does not command it. But in order to protect the innocent spouse, in order to deal with this fallen world that we live in, he says, yeah, it is permissible. But there are, there are stories here at Crossbridge of adultery and restoration. Repentance, forgiveness, restoration, oneness. It's very difficult. It takes a long time. It takes a long time to build up trust, but it is possible in Christ. He's in the business of redeeming individuals and couples and churches. But he says, yes, for the cause of sexual immorality, divorce is permissible. Then one other uh, teaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This is a uh, difficult passage, but it's where Paul is talking to married couples and especially believers like let's say the wife is the believer and the husband is an unbeliever. It could go either way, but one, one is a believer, one is an unbeliever. And this unbelieving spouse abandons this person, apparently because of the faith. Jesus has come with a sword to divide father and mother and children and, and the faith has divided them. So, so the spouse takes off probably gets remarried, probably maybe having an affair. It doesn't say that, but that's often what happens in the actual circumstances. And the Apostle Paul, speaking on the Lord's behalf, says in that circumstance, when you've been abandoned because of the faith, this person, here's the phrase, is not bound. Now, what does that mean? English Standard Version translates it, is not enslaved. Apparently, the idea is that this person is not slavishly bound and obligated to pursue that marriage and to to continue and seeking no matter what. If this person's gone, probably committing adultery, but we don't know. If this person's gone, you are not bound. That calls for a lot of pastoral wisdom. That calls for a lot of uh, counseling, calls for a lot of wisdom. How, how do you know if you're truly abandoned? And, you know, all of that. But that seems to be the other biblical passage, the other teaching that sheds light on this tough topic of divorce. 
But coming back to our passage, Mark, what God hath put together, let no man put asunder. So, married people, how you doing? Do you sense the seeds of divorce? Maybe they haven't even germinated yet, or maybe they've sprouted. What can you do as a disciple to take seriously Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12? Examine your heart. Is there a coldness? Is there an anger? Do you have a wandering eye? A wandering heart? These things start in the heart, you know. Married people, cherish, protect, guard, safeguard, build a hedge around your marriage. You want to get counseling? That's great. There's no shame in marriage counseling. That's a good thing. We applaud that. You want to drop your shields and be transparent with some friends, your small group, that's great, that's great. Protect, guard, cherish this one flesh relationship. Single people, how are you doing? You need to go into marriage with this mindset. This is for life. And don't you forget, every date is a potential mate. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> I mean, if you're dating a loser and you know that person's a loser, just, you don't... <laughs> I am praying, I am calling Crossbridge disciples to come back to remember these ancient words, ever true, they're true today, changing me, changing you. We come with open hearts. Lord, let the ancient word impart what God hath joined together. Let no one put asunder. Another verse of that song says, holy words of our faith handed down to this age. They came to us through sacrifice. Oh, heed the faithful words of Christ. Heavenly Father, help us to heed this tough teaching, this countercultural teaching of our Lord Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.